Stay hungry, stay foolish. So now on the Innovation Show, we welcome John Chow, CEO and co-founder of Btoken. Welcome to the show, John. Well, thank you for having me. Great to have you on the show. Today, we're going to talk about disrupting the disruptors. Airbnb, Uber, companies like this have been championed as the great disruptors of our time. But there's one last disruption to come. And a lot of these companies are facing huge disruption, mainly thanks to the blockchain. And you have a product that is taking on Airbnb, utilizing the power of the blockchain and decentralization. John, it would be great to hear first, before we go into Btoken, your backstory, please. Absolutely. So I've been in cryptocurrency for a few years. And before starting Btoken, I was leading the security and fraud team at Uber. Of course, security and fraud deals very closely with cryptocurrency. And at some point, I found it too compelling to not leave my full-time job to pursue this full-time. Obviously, that shows a huge commitment from you that you're actually leaving a role that you were so comfortable in, in a company that's disrupting to come here. I noticed a lot of your co-founders and a lot of your team are coming from companies who are traditionally disruptors, and you've managed to bring together this crack team to take on Airbnb and and use decentralization to your advantage. Absolutely. When I first uh, had the idea to start Btoken, I reached out to my colleagues at Google, Facebook, Uber, basically the best people I knew in my network to gauge their interest in starting a project together. And I was really surprised when almost all of them said yes. And so very honored to be with this amazing team. They're they're really capable. So we were talking about disruptive disruptors, and it'd be great to hear from you, John. So for people who don't know, we're going to clean up the jargon, I suppose, in this area. We were saying this before we came on a letter. Cryptocurrency language is very jargon enriched and uses cryptic words and it actually alienates a lot of people. So we're going to do our best to clean that up today. The first thing is this idea of decentralization. And I suppose the solution you are seeing for the problem of the Ubers and the Airbnbs, for example. I can talk about it in respect to our product. So one of the interesting parts of blockchain is it's it's allowed transactions, peer-to-peer transactions, without, without a middleman for the first time in history. So back then, if you wanted to make a payment or you wanted to do anything, there would basically be something in the middle taking a percentage for providing that service. And now blockchain removes that necessity. Specifically for traditional companies that are basically monopolies on the sharing platform where they provide a service, but then they take out a fee for doing that service. Blockchain essentially allows you to do the same thing, but without a middleman. We might jump into Btoken then because again, you look at something like Airbnb, there's several components at play there. Trust being one delivery of the product, et cetera, et cetera. But you are looking at Btoken and the platform and also blockchain there under to actually solve this problem. I think the first part is when you tokenize any traditional economy, you're basically giving tokens to everyone. So as the network grows, everyone who is holding the token is essentially part of that network. As opposed to traditional companies, only a very few people hold equity in the company. When you tokenize and everyone's a token holder, then they're incentivized to also help with the network. And then that creates a viral network effect. I think I think that's one of the strongest parts of the tokenization. And the second part of using the blockchain is like we talked about before, removing the middleman and making that 15 to 20% commission zero. And when we talk about tokenization, here's another term, I suppose, that people have not got their head around. Effectively, it is like a share in the company. So 
for example, if I pay LinkedIn or I pay whatever service I use on a yearly basis to be part of a network effect, you're actually issuing a token for this. So it's almost like holding a share in the company. I wouldn't classify it exactly like holding a share because that would be a security. I definitely think you're creating a new like network or economy and the token is participating in that. So I don't think it one-to-one maps with that, but it is similar in the fact that you're participating and you definitely do feel more a part of this. Funding for the BTOKEN platform, how are you going to attack that one then? In token world, there's this concept called an ICO, initial coin offering. And what it does is similar to crowdfunding, you allow your token to be sold, usually for Ethereum, to peg a price on your token. So we're basically going to be issuing B tokens in exchange for Ethereum, and that will give B token initial value. So could we dig a bit deeper into that? Because a lot of people have got in touch, John, with the show asking for me to find a guest to clear up ICOs, for example, because a lot of people haven't got their head around it yet. Could you give a bit of a deeper explanation of how that works? If I was to set up my own company and issue an, an ICO, how would I go about that? In the Ethereum network, there is something called a smart contract. And what the smart contract does is, given a certain input, it gives an output. And in the case of an initial coin offering or ICO, what it does is it offers your token at an exchange rate for Ethereum. So you send an Ethereum to this contract or address, and then this address automatically then issues you a certain amount of B token. Let's say it's 1,000 B token per Ethereum up until there's no more B tokens available for distribution uh, for the for the sale. And, and that is basically how it works. So you get Ethereum in as a company, to, to which which is highly liquidable. So we, we consider it to be fun, uh, funds that can be used to run the company. And in return, the investor gets B tokens. You mentioned about the tokens running out. This is where I'm trying to equate it, something that people already know in existence. The context I can give, say, you, you issue 100 shares and each share is worth a percentage in the company, breaking it right down. How does that work from a token perspective? How many tokens do you issue? Is there a percentage to each token? How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So each token, they usually have a total amount of tokens. Let's say, for example, for B token, they're issuing a total of 500 million tokens. And then they sell a certain percentage of those tokens. So for us, we've decided to sell 30% of our tokens or 150 million tokens. And then those are then converted to Ethereum for a certain price. And I guess how you can think of them as is, yeah, basically how much of the network do you have? And then each token has its own unique use of that token. So for some people, it could be voting rights. For other people, it could be um, you, like just means of currency to use for the platform. So I think every token is different in exactly what the token is used for in the in the business model. But you're definitely right that you would you would own a percentage of the entire network based on the amount of tokens you hold. If you divide the number of tokens you have by the total no- number of tokens in the network. Brilliant. And moving on then, okay, because you mentioned a key word here, particularly for BTOKEN, and that is smart contracts. So what parts of the machine are in play here? So when you look at an Airbnb, again, giving people something they know in existence today, the pieces that are in in the pie. So there's rating and reviews of the occupier and also the leaser. And then there's the execution of the contract the fact that it was was uh, fulfilled what else is at play so we know how you're using 
current day, not, I'm not going to call them future platforms, but current day platforms like blockchain, Ethereum, you're using smart contracts to solve old world solutions. So one of the problems I can talk about for the Airbnb and other traditional platforms is there's a lot of fraud going on. So, for example, you can take the listing that is on these sites and then you can go onto Craigslist and ask for payment. And then very often as a host of Airbnb or these other platforms, someone will show up to your house one day and be like, hey, I booked this place through Craigslist and I I sent like $1,000 through Western Union to get this room. So I think one of the great parts of the blockchain is you have that trace and and that proof that you've either done it or you haven't done it. So that that that's one aspect of it. And then ratings and reviews is another aspect where you can write exactly as you see and you know that no one can modify it. So that if I leave someone a good or bad rating, it will stay there forever. And I think in general, just different parts of the using the blockchain, either for validity purposes or for payment efficiency purposes, all, all of these tie in together for the whole ecosystem. Gotcha. That's great. And and then when you think of the revenue model, because this is the, the other thing people struggle with, you're basically a 0% commission decentralized home sharing network. But what you're going to do is use the platform. So you're building this platform. You're right in the fact that there's definitely uh, new commission models coming out. So one of the more interesting commission models I can I can talk about is uh, Binance is a popular cryptocurrency exchange where you can trade uh, different currencies on there. They invented this model where if you use the native currency for our platform, which is Binest, and you trade uh, B tokens on there, then we charge a 0% commission fee. But then you're also able to use other tokens like popular Bitcoin or Ethereum. And then we charge a 1% to 2% convenience fee if you do that. So we're still able to generate uh, revenue for convenience. Bnest, you could use, for example, if I wanted to set up my own private network in a remote part of, of Ireland or I wanted to set up my own competitor to Btoken, I could do that, but I could use the Bnest platform. Yes, you can definitely use the Bnest platform because the Bnest platform in our journey to build a decentralized Airbnb on top of Ethereum, we've invented a lot of the same technologies that other similar platforms would use. So if you wanted to use any type of similar sharing economy or two-sided marketplace, you could feel free to reuse the same protocols that we've built in order to build uh, Bnest. So what's been your journey since you gathered that team together? So we started about half a year ago, and since then we've basically been coding all of these components out and we have launched a uh, private alpha which we've been testing for a while so definitely come a long way and soon people will be able to try this blockchain based home sharing for themselves so how is that going to happen because i was reading this is going to happen soon in, in early january you're going to launch an early adopter aspect to the whole platform so in early January, we'll be releasing what we've been building in private. And so it won't be live on the Ethereum network yet. It'll be on the Ethereum testnet, which means the tokens you're using are not real Ethereum or B tokens yet. But, but it'll be cool for people to get an idea of what it looks like. And then after we do a little bit more security testing, because if something is wrong in the smart contract, it can ruin basically the entire network. We want to do a lot more uh, rigorous testing. We'll make it... Uh, live on the Ethereum mainnet, which means it'll be real tokens sometime in Q1, end, end of Q1. Gotcha. And so, so John, this is going to be 
chicken feed for you, right? This is going to be basics for you, but just to really dig into this. So Ethereum is the equivalent to the App Store, basically. There's, there's a place there, there's a platform there on which decentralized platforms like BTOKEN can launch. That is a pretty accurate assessment. The way I like to think of it is it's like cloud. So I can think of it like Ethereum is, is similar to Google Cloud in the fact that if I wanted to use cloud storage, I wouldn't go and build my own cloud storage. I would just use Google Cloud to access the cloud. So that's how I like to think of Ethereum. I like to think of if I want to build a blockchain-based te- technology company, I wouldn't go build my own blockchain if I, unless I wanted to. Instead, I would use Ethereum to leverage the power and access of the blockchain. I'm actually thinking of all the questions I get asked. Ethereum then, people keep asking me what's in it for them because and I think it's this is the piece we need to crack here because people want things to change. People have recognized the system is broke. It's built on centralization and essentially capitalism where people are, are taking as much of the pie as they can for themselves. And, and Satoshi's vision was in 2008 with the white paper is that the financial institutions and the way things are done have led us down as a race, as a human race, and that needs to change. What, what's your view on that from a helicopter view, John? I definitely think that things have to change in the fact that there's, I think in the ideology perspective, a central few people hold all the power. So being able to use the blockchain te- technology to split that power and give it back to people, I think that part is really interesting. I don't know if I'm a- as extremist to say it has to be one way or the other, but I, I do appreciate the movement towards that trend. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, you don't have to take an extremist view, and I don't myself, but I, I do believe it's almost like an, an early adopter. Like, I see you as an early adopter, hence an early disruptor, and it just so happens to be the disruptors you are disrupting, and we're going to see more and more of this cropping up. But I just see companies like yourself as a signal of a desire for things to change across the world. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I definitely think that... For a lot of the people who participate in these platforms, they they never feel empowered or feel like they they actually are uh, valued by the network because at the end, a lot of people they work for a job or they work for a platform, and, and that platform or or company owner takes all of it, and then they become the central part, and everyone else just continues. So I, I definitely think being able to share in the in, in like the ecosystem is very very important. Great. And then just to, to come back down from the helicopter now, but uh, a bit more jargon. So we were saying Ethereum and is a way is a way to, to launch your your product essentially, your 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 company. And then there's this word D apps. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Because I saw this in your in your plan for the launch of the company. So it was onboard two to five D apps on the B protocol. What what does that mean as well to just get our head around it? Yes. So a DApp is a decentralized application. And what that means is it, it it's used in a very general way. A lot of people, they use it for any company that uses blockchain te- technologies. They consider it a DApp. And, and the differences are usually there's protocol layers, which are very infrastructure and sitting on the bottom. And then there's DApps, which are more uh, prone to being seen by the public. They're applications, essentially. So, for example, right, I, I come up with an idea. I want to disrupt Fiverr.com, for example, or I want to disrupt Uber, my own version 
I can come t- to your platform or to your platform. You've built, if I see it as a framework or a white label version of what I need, I don't have to build it again. I can use your platform and then I pay you a commission for using that over a, a certain period of time. Yes, absolutely. So I think one of the strongest parts of our team is we're all from technical backgrounds. So we like to build things and we're definitely happy to leverage and share what we're good at uh, with the rest of the community. I'd love, John, to ask you a question, I suppose it's from your past life, which is the security one, because this is one that everybody just goes, you know what, blockchain is really, really secure. What kind of things have you seen from your own experience? And you don't have to name companies, for, but for, from your research and from your learnings, that the type of things that we would be unaware of that can happen in companies. You mentioned, for example, the fraud that happens on Airbnb. Could you give us a few more examples of things like that? So I think one of the more, most important parts that, that every company is dealing with right now is identity fraud. And being able to verify that you are truly who you say you are. And one of the most interesting parts of the blockchain is if they're able to solve having this immutable record, non-duplicating record where you can make multiple instances of it, then I think that would be really powerful because right now there's a lot of people, they can take their passport and they can uh, Photoshop it and they can submit it to these platforms. And, and it's very hard to detect whether or not this passport is real or not with, with just the ID and a, and a changed name. So I think if we're able to use blockchain to truly verify that this is the exact form of identification in the long run, it would be very helpful for security purposes. You have an offering coming out early January, an early public offering. How does one get in on the action, so to speak? Yeah, so definitely check us out at www.btoken. And that usually has the latest information. And a lot of the community really likes to use something called Telegram, which is a messaging platform. That's uh, where we answer most of the questions. But essentially, if you want to participate, you you send in Ethereum and then you get B tokens uh, back out. But John, how, how does that work? Because this this is the beast, right? So it's kind of like the with the cryptocurrency rage. I'm I'm doing air quotes here that we're we're experiencing at the moment. Most people kind of going, I don't know how to buy any of that. And it's, it, you know, it's one of the things, again, for if somebody wanted to get in on the early offering with B-Token, how does that happen? You mentioned using Ethereum, but what does that actually mean to somebody? To break down all the steps, first, you would need to acquire Ethereum because, of course, you need Ethereum in order to send it. And the most popular way to get it as of right now is by using the application Coinbase. And then after that, you have to create your own Ethereum wallet, which is a digital wallet that can store the Ethereum so that you can send the money from your digital wallet to our contract, which will then send you back B-Token to your wallet. And the most popular uh, wallet right now is my Ether wallet. And so I think with the combination of buying the Ethereum on Coinbase, sending it to my Ether wallet, and then from my Ether wallet, sending it to our token sale contract, I think those are the three steps that, that that you would need to partake in. Great, man. Because and hopefully that gets easier over time as the system matures. And that's going to happen early January if people were interested. It sounds like a fascinating journey, and the fact that you got this killer team together is a great credit to you, John. So, John Chow, CEO and co-founder of the B Token, the future of home sharing. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me.